Okay. Um, good morning, everyone. We are very excited for this month. Uh, can I ask you guys to come up? We have uh, friends. I don't want to say special guests. Come on up. Tony and Susanna Silverite, they uh, lead, well, they kind of lead because Jesus lead the church, right? So they kind of lead the church, an amazing church in South Africa. And these are our friends. I don't want to say uh, guest speakers because we do believe in uh, the Ephesians 4 gifting in terms of the fivefold gifting and they, uh, the partners, partnering and partnership of the churches worldwide. And they have uh, sacrificed a lot and their churches to come here and just to build in with us and invest in us as a, a young startup church. And uh, we're incredibly excited and we're, we're looking forward to the impartation that they're going to bring to restorations. And uh, they, uh, as I said, they lead an, an amazing church in South, uh, South Africa. And they, uh, they left the church to come here at all their expenses with no expectations. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to receive the things that God has for us. Um, before I get started and talk too much, do you want to introduce Tony? <laughs> yeah, it really is such a privilege and a blessing to be here with you all this morning. And um, back home, it is quarter to six in the evening. So we've had church already. They're all home now and doing their thing. So, um, but we started similar to you guys in a school hall 18 years ago, and um, Tony and I, we, we lived in a little village called Impangeni up the north coast of KwaZulu-Natal, and we felt a call of God to plant a church, and, um, and we packed up our three kids, and off we went on a six-hour journey to Johannesburg to a little place called Four Ways in Johannesburg. We'd, we didn't actually know. We'd never been to, we'd been once since we had decided to plant a church, but we saw Four Ways on a map, and it jumped out at us, and we knew, we did some research around Four Ways, and we knew that, that it was a fast-developing area and a lot of young entrepreneurs moving into the area, so we went. We packed up our kids, and off we went to Johannesburg. We followed our moving truck to Johannesburg and we arrived and I will say that it's been an adventure, it's been a journey. These are, you guys are the legends of church plants, the ones that commit in the early days and say we're going to get into the trenches and we're going to do this. So you are the legends and we have legends back in Johannesburg as well but I'll tell you a little story. The first, the first day of arriving in Johannesburg, we arrive, our truck gets offloaded, we're in our little flat in Johannesburg and I remember clearly sitting on the side of the bed. It was just the two of us and our three kids sitting on the side of the bed. I had this three-week-old baby in my arms. And I'm looking down at this baby. And these, like, silent tears are running down my cheeks. I'm exhausted, I'm, you know. And I remember looking across to Tony and I said, I really hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> and guess what he said? <laughs> he says, I've got no clue. <laughs> But so our little motto in the early days was, we love Jesus, we're going to heaven, but we haven't got a clue. But God has a clue when it comes to his church, and he builds the church, and it's such a blessing to be here. And this is my husband, Tony. Thank you, Susanna. It's uh, try to top that. It's, uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance. These are like hardcore people. They planted the church with, as Susanna said, uh, three kids, and the youngest was three weeks old with no other team uh, members and friends to help them. But uh, now they have a church of over 1,000 people 18 years later, and God has done amazing things through them. So um, 
that was an incredible introduction. I'm not going to top that. So why don't you uh, come on over and uh, if be before um, I pray over uh, Tony and then before he share with us, I, I want to share with you guys. We've gotten to know them, um, you know, I think really well for the last few days. And I want to encourage you guys, uh, if you trust me, trust Tony. His heart is all for Jesus. It's all about his kingdom and Jesus and how we can grow and, and, and learn more and have a greater revelation of who Jesus is and, and what he has called each and every one of us to do and his love and his blessing for each and every one of us. So if I can just encourage you guys to receive the things that he has and trust this man. Um, you know, he's, he looks South African. We only allow one South African here in this church. That's him. But uh, trust him. Trust him for who he is. So can I pray over you before we get started? Father, we just want to thank you for, uh, Tony, just thank you for the things that you have placed on his heart, God. I just uh, ask Holy Spirit that you will speak boldly, courageously, and powerfully through him. Just allow him to share everything that you have placed on his heart for us. And I just ask Holy Spirit that you will allow us to receive the things that you have for us through Tony. Just uh, open our hearts and, and keep the things that you have for us and allow us to take root, allow it to grow and prosper. And, uh, and use that to, to further advance the kingdom and to share more of who you are and walk more into of the, the calling that you have for us and just walk more into the vision that you have placed on our, our church and our lives, which is to glorify you everywhere, everywhere that we go. We love you, and we're so thankful for this man, and we pray to all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. We... Uh, uh, 18 years later, I still don't have a clue, to be honest with you. You know, whenever a, a church planter tells you he knows all about it, I, I get nervous. You, you, we don't know. We, we think we do. We don't. And we know something, but uh, we need God's grace every day, don't we, friends? Um, I've been married for 28 years, and I don't have a clue <laughs> how to be a good husband. I'm still learning after 28 years. And that's reality. We're still working this out. We, we love each other. We've been married for 28 years, as I said. Uh, life is good. Our marriage is great. But we're still working it out. We still have some issues. I, I, was, I was just about to share a South African joke, but I remember I'm not in South Africa, so I have to behave myself. <laughs> you, see, you have to, can I ask you to extend your grace to me, because I'm a South African, and we, we, are, we are a different breed of people. So we... We get into trouble wherever we go. We say the wrong things. So I'm going to try and behave myself as best as I can this morning and say the right things. And if something comes out that's not very right, it's just remember I'm from Africa. I'm from South Africa. We, we're not there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's great to be here. We love America. We love uh, being in this country. Um, I like to remind Americans of the, 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 the blessing it is to live in this country. You know, it really is a good place. We love coming back here. We've come here, we've come here regularly to come and, and, and encourage the church and encourage God's people. And uh, it's such a privilege. Thanks to you and Vanessa and, and, uh, and you guys too for inviting us and allowing us to come and speak to you. I want to talk about Jesus. Of course, I always talk about Jesus. That's uh, what I do. And I wanted to read, uh, well, I could tell you a little bit about our church if you're interested. We have a church in Johannesburg. I don't know if you know Johannesburg, uh, you know. I watch the news and I know what's going on in this country quite a lot. And they tell me that it's dangerous in Chicago. And so I'm from Johannesburg and I'm a little, I was a little frightened to come here. 
You know, in Johannesburg, you get hijacked. Uh, you know, every, every street corner, somebody's going to get hijacked. You know, I don't know how many people in our church have been hijacked and, and, uh, and had crime. It's, it's, crime in South Africa is, is hectic. And, uh, but anyway, the Lord called us there, and we're happy to be there. So, but I was still scared to come to Chicago. <laughs> but, uh, but I've got some, some good friends here that are going to protect me if I'm in trouble. Um, yeah, we lead a church called Four Ways Community Church. You can go check it out online. Uh, we've got, uh, we're just having loads and loads of fun. We started in a school hall like this, and this, the hall got too small, so we went to another facility. And, and the facility we have now, we have three meetings on a Sunday morning. I just, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying this is, the, this is what we do because we make space for people that don't know Christ. And so we have three meetings on a Sunday morning like this. Half past seven, nine o'clock, 10.30 just because we want to make room for other people. We don't want to just be together and just high-five one another and have a nice little holy huddle and some nice pastry and some nice coffee afterwards, sing a few songs. And we don't make space in our hearts for other people. So we, that's what we do. We make space and we make room always for other people, especially those that don't know Christ. And when they cross the line of faith, we rejoice big time. And uh, we want to, we're looking at making a fourth meeting because we need to make space. You know? So pray for us if you don't mind. Uh, we're looking for a bigger facility now. We want to build our own facility. So, uh, so anyways, I wanted to share with you from, uh, uh, it's from the Gospel of John. And I'm not going to read the whole portion. I'm going to go through it a little bit with you, and then we're going to unpack that and, and uh, see what the Lord is saying to us. But it's a story of, the, one, of the, uh, one of my favorite people in the Bible, the Samaritan woman. I don't know if you know the story of her. But Jesus is in the Gospel of John chapter 4. And Jesus is walking with his disciples and he's tired and he's hot and he comes to this town called Samaria. And he comes to Jacob's well and he's looking for a drink of water. And he meets this lady there, the Samaritan woman. That's all we know. We don't even know her name. We don't know her age. We just know she's a Samaritan woman. And he asks her, he says, will you give me a drink? So Jesus is asking her for a drink. And uh, then she, uh, she asks him, why do you ask me? She says to Jesus, why are you talking to me? I'm a, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you talking to me? Why are you asking me for a drink? And then he goes on to say, if you knew the gift of God is the, the water I will give you, you will never thirst when you drink that. The water that I'm asking you for, if you drink that water, which is normal water, you'll thirst again. But the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. It's amazing. Uh, and... Uh, so then she, she asks him, you know, please, sir, give me a drink of this water because I'm thirsty. And then he tells her to go call her husband. He says to her, go call your husband. And she, she says, uh, I, I, don't have, I don't have a husband. And then he prophetically says, yes, you don't have a husband, but you have, in fact, had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. So he saw prophetic, prophetically, he saw her, uh, her situation. And then he, they continue to discuss uh, worship, etc. And then she leaves the jar of water and she goes back to the town where she's from. And she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be, <coughs> excuse me, the Messiah? And it says that many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. It's an incredible woman. You know, I think uh, so often we read through stories in the Bible and we don't look with the eyes of faith as to what is happening there. And I wanted to just unpack a few things. This is an incredible woman. 
We don't know her name, her age. It's the longest one-on-one recorded conversation in Scripture that Jesus had with this lady at the well. And he makes a simple statement. He says, will you give me a drink? And she says, why are you asking me? What he does there, I just wanted to highlight this. He crosses some barriers. Now, we as Christians are called to cross barriers, to break down walls and break down barriers that are in the way of the gospel. And so he crosses a cultural racial barrier. So I don't know if you know much of of the history of Israel uh, hated the Samaritans. There was, you know, racism is not something that's new. It goes back right to the beginning because racism is in the heart of man. That's where it is. It's got nothing to do with skin color. It's got to do with the color of our hearts and what's in our hearts. And so he crosses this. The Jews at that time, they wouldn't even pass through Samaria. They would go around the town because they were so racist towards these people. And he's talking. So he's breaking this incredible cultural and racial barrier. And I love to see a church like this, which is so diverse. Uh, This must be the most diverse church, small church plot I've ever seen. It's fantastic. Now, we in South Africa, our church is also very diverse. We've got all sorts of creeds, race, color, nationality. We've got from all over the world. And I love the diversity. We were just saying yesterday, I don't want to be in an all-white church. And I don't want to be in an all-black church. I want to be in a diverse church. And so that's a church that God's building with us. But we've had to cross some barriers. You know, um, I, I don't know if you know this about South Africa, but we, we used to live separated from other race groups. By law, it was instituted. We went to school separate. We did all these things. We had, we had the, it was our law. And uh, I suppose you have a little bit of history of that too. And there's nothing that can bring us together like the church. There's nothing that can bring us together like Jesus. And this is what I say to our people back home. And please don't read anything into it. It's what I say to our people back home. I say, please don't put your faith in any political party. That's what I say to them. Please don't put your faith in any president. If only he could be our president. If only this party could get in. Because we have politics back there too. Only put your faith, friends, in Jesus. That's what I say to them. And I submit that to you. Put your faith in Jesus. Only he can bring us together. No other institution, worldly, man-made institution can bring us together and we can love each other deeply. He's the first Vietnamese man. He's my, he's my brother. Huh? Fantastic. I'm, you have to come back to, to South Africa. I want to introduce you to our church. We don't have any Vietnamese people in our church yet, but they're coming. So he crosses that line. He crosses a, the gender barrier. He addresses this woman and he crosses a hierarchical barrier There's no hierarchy. So people come to our church and they say, who's the senior pastor? We actually don't have one. If you're really looking for the senior pastor, he is Jesus and he does lead our church. But there's no hierarchy. uh, So we have this this thing in our church, in our culture, where, where, where men or women of God who have done mighty things, they call them the man of God. Have you seen the man of God? The man of God, the big shot, you know. And we say, please don't put any man on a pedestal. Put Jesus where he should rightly belong. He is the king of the universe. He is the king of our hearts. He is the one that, and man gets in the way in, uh, in I think, in the church. And so anyway, that's just a, so Jesus is, he tosses out the rules. 
He, he, he breaks these barriers. She asks him, why are you asking me for a drink? He is, she's focusing on the law, and he is focusing on grace. That's what I want to submit to us. Be careful not to focus on the law. We are people of grace. The grace of God has set us free, and let us not be, Paul said to the Galatians, bewitched or tripped or trapped or tricked into following rules and regulations. There are principles that govern us. There's respect and there's, there's stuff that we need to do, but let's be careful that we focus on the grace of God. God is teaching us here. So he offers her hope. Can you imagine this woman? She had been married five times, and she was with her, the sixth man. Who's not her ma- she was living with him. And Jesus approaches her. I wonder if she thought, he has another man. Another man that's looking for something from me. I don't know. I'm just maybe reading that into it. But uh, he, he comes to offer her something. He says to her, I will give you water. And when you drink of that, you will never thirst again. You see, Christianity is not about doing. It's about receiving. First receiving and then do his works. But often we get caught up in legalistic living where we feel we have to do this. I don't know if, you, if, if this is for you. When you pray a lot and read your Bible, you feel good. You know, I've done my bit. And when, when we don't pray and we don't read our Bible, sometimes we feel maybe God doesn't love me as much as he does if I pray a lot. See, God's love is not based on how often you read the Bible or how often you pray. That's it. It's not. God's love is based on him. He loved us first, and that's a wonderful thing. And somebody like me, who was a naughty, naughty, naughty boy growing up, I love the grace of God because I, do, I deserve punishment. I know that. Some of you, maybe you lived nice, clean, good lives, and you never did anything wrong. I came out of my mother's womb doing things wrong. You know, I needed God's grace to save me. So I love the grace of God. And, uh, and I love that I don't have to do stuff. Uh, there's a man in our church. We, we reach all sorts of people in our church. So you can imagine uh, one of the most famous uh, sportsmen in your city. One of those, you see him on TV. He's, he's famous. And, uh, and he comes into your church. Now, we've got a guy like that in our city. He's known all over the country, in fact. But he, was, uh, he got involved in some criminal activity. He's a, he's a big guy. He's, a, he's six foot three, 120 kilograms of pure muscle, and he looks scary. When he walked into our church, everybody was like making way for him. He's a, he's a lovely guy, but he just was mixed up with all the wrong people. And uh, unfortunately, we, we, he got thrown out of a gym, you know, a, a gym where you exercise. And we have this chain across our country called Virgin Active. And uh, he has been banned, a lifetime ban from all virgin actives in the whole country for life. And he's in our church. <laughs> it's like, it's like what? you know, I said to him, I said to him, when, if people know that you go to church and they ask you what church you go to, don't tell them you come to our church. You know, I, 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 I was just teasing. But, uh, but, you know, I was preaching one Sunday on forgiveness and uh, there was it was when we had two meetings, 8 and 10. And he, he comes to the 8 o'clock and he said, after the meeting, I, sh- I shared about the hope of God, that God, the hope that we can put in, the, the forgiveness that we can receive from God. He said it was so, it meant so much to him that he's going to stay for the next meeting because he just needed to hear that. 
And, uh, you know, I've been walking with this man now for two years. And just, he's not there yet. He's on his way, like all of us. We're on our way. And uh, <clears throat> um, just the hope, and just to see the hope of God working into his life has been one of the most beautiful things for me. And he's been phoning me when I'm here, and he, he's like texting me all the time. I'm, I'm in America, and I leave me alone, you know, kind of thing. But uh, he was thirsty, you see. And only now does he realize that he had all the fame, all the money, had everything. But the, the thing that really satisfies us deep down, which is the water of life, the water of God, nothing else can, you know. So uh, this lady as well, she tried many husbands. Maybe you haven't done that. Maybe you've been down the, the bottom of every bottle. Maybe you've, you know, there's all sorts of addictions that we can have. Uh, we have people, we live in uh, quite an uh, affluent area. We, we, our churches, that's where God called us. And, and you know, people of God, we've got a guy in our church. He's got three Ferraris, one guy, three Ferraris. I don't know why he needs three Ferraris. He even tells me that. He says, I don't know why I need three Ferraris. So I said, well, why don't you give me one? <laughs> but uh, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't done that yet. But uh, I'm still praying and hoping <laughs> that he gives me one. And I hope he doesn't listen to this. Or maybe he should listen to this. And when I get back, he can give me the keys. <laughs> but uh, people chase financial wealth. People chase your education. And those are all good things because they liberate us and help us. But friends, you, they will leave you thirsty if that's all you find. Find Jesus first and he'll quench us. And uh, this woman at the well, she, she shows us. It's a picture that shows us all what we really need. We need this water, the water of life. It's the only source that we will receive that we will make us truly live. And uh, he offered her something she couldn't refuse. It's uh, the water, this water. I remember the day I got saved. I received Jesus Christ into my life. And before that, I was also running all over the place looking for things to quench this, this, this thirst, this amazing thirst in my heart. tried so many things. Until I met Jesus and I, I realized this is, this is the water of life and uh, received. And he says to her, Jesus says to this lady, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, this tantalizing gift, if you knew, and that's, you know, you've got friends and family and neighbors. If only they knew what we know. Yeah, you've received Christ. If you know what I'm talking about, you, he's, he's redeemed you, He's saved you, He's forgiven you, He replenishes you, He fills you with His Spirit, He opens your eyes, He gives you revelation, He comforts you, He walks with you, He's, a, he's our friend, He's our companion. I will never give Jesus up. He has done so much for my life. If only those people we're trying to reach could see what we can see. They would change. They would bend their knees and repent. So we need to share that with them. We need to go and share this gift of life with those that we're trying to reach. I remember the first sermon I ever heard in the flesh. I'd watch TV, I suppose, television. The first meeting I went to is a, I mean, this is a, it's not a very good story, but it's, a, it's just what happened. I used to, I was at, still at high school at grade 12, and I started taking actually drugs at, at grade 8. But I used to take LSD. I don't know if you know LSD. 
It's a hallucinating drug. I used to take that while I was at school. And I remember the one time I was high and God spoke to me. And it wasn't a, you could say, oh, you, you were hallucinating. No, it wasn't. It was so real. God, I felt the Lord say, come, calling me. While I was tripping on LSD, God called me. As soon as I came down from that trip, I started to search for God and, and go to see people that I, that, I, that I thought were Christians, knew that were Christians. And this friend invited me to a church called Hillcrest Christian Fellowship. And I walked into this church that one Sunday morning, and it was, it was maybe halfway through the, the singing. And I felt this incredible presence of God. It, was, it felt like angel singing. It was the most amazing experience. And then I sat down, and, and her father was preaching. I didn't know her then. She said, when I walked into the church, she noticed me. Huh? She said, I've never seen such a good looking man in my life. No, she didn't. She didn't. But she noticed me. And, and her dad was preaching. And I was, I, was, I was sitting in my chair, leaning into every word, because it was the life of God flowing through this preacher into my soul. And I thought the next Sunday I have to go back. I went back the next Sunday and I got radically saved. Never to look to turn back on my rubbish. Went to Bible college eight, eight, week, eight months later. And anyway, the, the rest is history. And now I lead a church. Isn't that amazing? We're not, we, people ask us how big are we? So, I, you know. Even when we first started, when we were this size, people said, how big is your church? Because they try to measure you, you see. I used to say, even when we this, I should say, we're under a thousand. You're under a thousand. That is amazing. And I just left them because we were under a thousand. So we're not, I think on our books we're a thousand. But we don't meet a thousand yet. But it's very close and we're getting there. But, but anyway, that means nothing anyway. How many? A number of people means nothing. You know, we, we, will, we, come, we, we preach to churches of thousands or churches of ten. We love God's people, and it's a privilege for me to be here. And I want to encourage you to share this wonderful love with others. You know, so uh, I got radically saved that day. Um, so her father was preaching. At the end of the meeting, her brother came and prayed for me. And then a few years later, I ended up marrying her. It's a conspiracy, I'm telling you. It was set up, but I'm happy. God is sovereign, and he set it up. But uh, so, so, so Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Friends, I know that. I, I don't thirst for anything. Nothing. I, uh, I like things. I like motorbikes. I've, got, I've, only, I've only got four motorbikes. And uh, that's like uh, not, not enough. I need more. But uh, I'm blessed. It's not that I have a lot of money so I can buy motorbikes. I just have them. And uh, I just choose to use my money on motorbikes and not McDonald's or Starbucks. You know? So, uh, but anyway, he, I don't thirst for those motorbikes. I remember when my, uh, yeah, anyway, let me. So, speaking the truth in love. So, Jesus, he reminds her of her past. It's a, it's a wonderful picture of how Jesus presents the gospel to sinners, to you and me. She was caught in the act of adultery. She was living with the sixth man who was not a husband. She was living 
in those times in the act of adultery. And Jesus rebukes her. He says, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five. So he doesn't compromise the truth. He says, I know about your sin, but he's gentle and he's kind towards her. How, how do we behave? Often, you know, I think we write people off because of their lifestyle. But we don't know their life. We don't know where, how God's working. We don't know he's bringing them and drawing them. And as I said to you about this guy in our church, our church is a very messy church. People are messed up. They come into our church messed up, relationally messed up, maritally messed up, socially messed up, financially messed up. But we are a place of hope. We are a place where they must come in with all their mess and all their dirt and all their sin, and they can get washed and cleansed and accepted. And so often we want people to behave before we accept them. No, no, we want them to come in with all their Rubbish. You know, there's a word in South Africa that we're not allowed to use. It's a word that you use for rubbish. C-R-A-P. No, I can't say it. I could never say it, even in church. Ah, I can't say it. It's a swear word. We have a cuss word from where I am. But you know what I mean? They must come with all their rubbish. <laughs> and... Uh, so I'll say it privately. <laughs> so he reminds her, we mustn't write people off. I remember this lady, very, very close to us. I'm not going to say any more about that. But uh, she came to our church. I knew her from when I was still a young boy. Actually, she's family. She heard that I was a pastor. I hadn't seen her for 30 years. And she heard that I'm a pastor. And she thought, uh-uh, I want to see, I want to come and see how he is conning those people because he's, anyway, she came to our church. The second Sunday, she got radically saved. She's on our leadership team now. But about two years into her journey with us, uh, one of these men in our church, he came to the front and he said this, he said, the Lord is, is showing me this picture. The Lord has told me to share this. There's a lady in the church. You're sitting here this morning. You had an abortion many years ago. And uh, you're living with the guilt. And God says he forgives you. And you need to forgive yourself. This lady came at the end of the meeting with tears running down her cheeks to see us. She said, that was me. I felt so guilty. I felt so rotten. What I did, I aborted this, this child. But now God has spoken to me and he set me free and he's going to heal me. See, that's what Jesus does. I don't know what you've been involved in in your life. I know, I know what I've been involved in and I know I need the grace of God. And that's what Jesus, this picture, Jesus speaks the truth in love. And we need to do the same, friends. We don't have to compromise sin. We need to call sin as it is. Bad behavior, call it as it is. But we extend grace and hope and love and kindness towards people that come in like that. That's if you want to reach lost people. I know you and Vanessa want to reach lost people. I hope all of you have in your hearts to see lost people come in. But remember, 
they come with a lot of mess. But we're in the, the cleaning up business. And then he, uh, last little point here. Jesus reveals his all-seeing eyes. He knew about her life. She was shocked. How does this man know? <clears throat> How does he know? She's just met him. He knows about my life. You know, friends, Jesus knows about your life. He knows about my life. There's nothing. We can hide from one another. We can put on a facade. We can put on a show. But Jesus can see everything. And he reveals that to her. And I think he's saying this to us. And he's saying this to people. Stop running. Stop hiding. He says to her, go call your husband and come back. She ran back to her town. She said, come see this man that knows everything I've done. And it says, we read, many Samaritans in the town believed. She was the first female evangelist. Isn't that amazing? First female evangelist. Isn't this amazing? You know, this is what the theologians tell us. That Jesus revealed himself to this lady as the Messiah. The first person that he revealed himself to as Messiah was this lady, an adulterer. Isn't it amazing? I think maybe some people would, they would find the squeaky clean, the most righteous person to reveal. Jesus takes a woman who's in trouble. I think that's a wonderful picture of grace. She ran back to her town. I want to tell you one last story. She ran back to her town. And many people got saved. I want to tell you about a family in our church that have been coming now for six months to a year. Well, not all of them. Others have been coming for longer. But it started off this whole day. They take up three rows in our church, one family. It started off with one little Afrikaner boy. Do you know what an Afrikaner boy is? Little Afrikaans boy. Go, you can go Google it. It's a, it's a tribe in South Africa. He came to, to, uh, he came to church with his girlfriend, his fiancée. And uh, we ended up doing the wedding ceremony. And uh, he invited, she actually, her name was Katya. She invited her brother, Chris, to church. Chris came to church and he started to get involved and he loved the church. He invited his other cousin, Gina, and her husband, Marius, to church. They got amazingly, God touched their lives, uh, was all over them. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They drive from a long distance to come to church. They come, get involved in the life of the church. Then this lady, Gina, she invites her auntie to church. Now, auntie's name is Nadia, Auntie Nadia. She comes to church with her little daughter, 18-year-old daughter, Natalie. Natalie comes with her boyfriend, Antonio. They come to the church now. So, and God, he touches this little girl, Natalie, and her boyfriend, Antonio, weeping with tears. God is all over them. So now, Antonio's father wants to find out what's going on here. My son is, something's wrong with my son. Something's happened to my son. He was never like that. God's all over him. So his name is Sava. He's a big Italian man. He walk, comes walking into the church. He wants to find out what's going on. But he comes with his wife, Desi, 
And he comes with his other son, Stefano, and his sister, Claudia. The whole family coming. Guess what happens to the daughter, Claudia? God is all over her. She comes to the front weeping and crying, God, God, this. They start loving the church. So, so Sava came with his wife, Desi. Now, Desi has a sister, Jenny. She says, you need to come to this church. It's amazing. They've got a wonderful preacher. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> so, you must come to this church. So Jenny comes. She comes with her husband, Paolo, and her three daughters, Federica, Rosanna, and Stefania. Guess what happens? After the meeting, these girls are in tears. God's all over them. So now Daisy and Jenny, they've got a brother. His name is, you see, the Italians. The Italians, they're taking over. <laughs> so they come, they invite her brother, Luca, and her, his uh, wife, Lucia, and their two children. And then there's another two families. I forgot the names. I can't remember names anymore. There's another two families. So I just wanted to say this, that if we open our hearts to people, I can tell you another story, but I'll keep you here all day, of just people coming and bringing their friends, bringing their family. And that's how a, a new church plant, how are we going to reach this city, these neighborhoods here? Well, you've got friends, haven't you? You've got family. You've got neighbors. You've got colleagues. We need to reach those people. If they don't know God, or there's so many people that are backslidden or living away from the church, or there's so many people that are lost, we need to draw them. So I want to pray God's blessing over this church. So if you and Vanessa ever invite us back, we're going to see this church. This hall's going to be too small. Because you know, God wants to save people. Jesus wants to save people. Do you want to see people get saved? Please. Open your hearts to people. Otherwise, they're going to live for eternity outside of God. Isn't that sad? So, should we pray? Are you happy that we pray? Maybe you could close your eyes with me if you don't mind. Thank you. Father, I just thank you for the privilege of being here in Chicago with these precious brothers and sisters in Christ. And thank you for this wonderful opportunity that I can share the gospel with them. And hopefully, Lord, I trust that something has dropped in every heart, even in my own heart, a new love for lost people, a new love for those that don't know you, that are separated from you. And so, Father, I want to lift every single person up here and ask you that you, that you open their hearts, and that you, you show them the people they need to reach and share the gospel with. Give them the boldness, give them the wisdom, give them the discernment, what to say, when to say, and how to say. And uh, if you're here this morning and you, maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know God. I don't know. I haven't met you before. But maybe you don't know Jesus Christ. And this would be a good opportunity for you to say a prayer. Or maybe you've, you've even backslidden. You're far from God. And you want me to pray for you. I'd be privileged. Hopefully there is a person here. If you don't know God, or if you're far from God, and you're saying, Tony, please pray with me. I would love you. Is there anyone here that would, could you put your hand up if there's anyone that would want me to pray for? Just so I know. Father, I just pray for, for all of us. That you, um, 
you would use us. I pray, Lord, that you'd reveal yourself to us in a new, fresh way. Even those of us that have been Christian for many years, we ask for a new, fresh anointing, a new, fresh revelation of who you are. And then, Lord, I pray that you anoint every one of us to be soul winners, that you give this church <coughs> strategy, that you give the leaders uh, boldness and a confidence to preach and to envision and to encourage. Lord, I pray your blessing over every single person here. I pray for blessing and provision. I pray for protection from all evil. And I pray for divine health. I, th I pray for any sickness or any pain in anybody. Father, I pray that you would heal and touch right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening.